The big news today, of course, a massive contract, the likes of which we've probably never seen before. And I, of course, am talking about Doris Burke. Congratulations to Doris Burke. (laughs) I mean, none more deserving, especially on International Women's Day, re-upping with ESPN. I don't have the exact numbers. We're waiting on confirmation from our sources. But I, I think Fitz, that leads the show, of course, right? Until Pat McAfee tells us the exact number for Doris yeah. Burke, I won't believe it. That's just the I'm going to assume gonna go. it's the biggest, and I'm going to assume that she deserves more, no, no matter what number you give me. Uh, no, of course, Aaron Rodgers, the big news today, until he wasn't anymore. I am so sorry the attention that you ordered was short-lived, because Russell Westbrook going to the, uh, go, Russell Wilson, geez Louise, Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, then usurped all of the attention given to Aaron Rodgers, and the dominoes have started to fall in this offseason full of teams needing quarterbacks and hanging on to the ones that they have. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive insurance and fits let's just start with Aaron Rodgers that that happened uh today mid-afternoon and I guess him returning to the Packers is not a surprise to us uh, we had kind of seen the wave turn from probably leaving to probably staying but I, I think what's interesting to me is that we don't yet know the numbers he is adamantly denying reporting from me and Rappaport and others that would make him the richest quarterback and and his buddy Pat McAfee is arguing a cap-friendly contract. The difference between those two is huge in how to process this and whether or not he just wanted the bag or whether he's setting himself up to be able to get more Super Bowls in Green Bay. Yeah, and that's going to be the biggest part of what we'll see quickly from the numbers. But realistically, if there's anything we can all be sure of, it's that Aaron has his own national platform and he wants to make sure, like so many athletes today, that he breaks the news on his terms. I feel like it might have been Jen Latta that put it up uh, on, on Twitter earlier asking, you know, the motivation for this. I think he just likes to remind us all that we're wrong and we don't know what we're talking about. So he's going to make sure that he gets to release the information, which is fine whenever he wants to tell the world what he's making. But I, I really think everything that happened after Aaron Rodgers today is squarely my fault because I was texting a buddy of mine that's a Broncos fan and I may or may not have given him a little grief about not landing Aaron Rodgers and putting all his eggs in one basket. And here we go. The Packers get to run it back. So uh, that's on me. Yeah. I mean, I I think also, you know, if he wanted to make things easy on the Packers and their decisions and help figure out how to put this team best together in the offseason, I don't know if the game playing would have happened, right? Um, but uh, I will give credit to him for getting what he wanted, which was security. And we talked about this, and we went over it so many times, Fitz, on this show, and it felt like so many people didn't understand that piece of it. It wasn't just about money. It wasn't just about the insult of him feeling like Jordan Love shouldn't have been drafted anyway. It was about the fact that they had the opportunity to restructure his contract to offer him security and the promise that they believed in him being their starting quarterback for years to come, and they chose not to. And that was the big sticking point when he decided to hold out this offseason was the behavior in the season before. This four-year deal, and we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to come back year after year with, I don't know if I'm going to retire stick around right we might get one of these every year but at least now he is in control he has a four-year deal the the details of which we're still waiting on and he has proof from the Packers now that they believe he will be the guy for the next four years and I think that was really the insult that he felt after what he had done for the franchise the other side of it though Sarah that I think is a little interesting and look nothing is more important for the Packers than re-signing Aaron Rodgers. So let me say that definitively and don't let anybody twist those words from there. That was incredibly important. 
Can I also then turn around and say, by the way, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gunacus absolutely wasted a first round pick on somebody that will now never see the field. Like I understand the risk that they took in trying to make all of this happen and where it went just awful for them. But Jordan Love is just sitting there. We'll have never seen the field probably could have used a first round pick. And I'm amazed that we're so in love with the fact that Rogers coming back rightfully so, but at some point Matt LaFleur should have to at least answer for the mindset and why they wasted a first round pick that now whatever they can get back for him will be nothing in return compared to what they, what they could have used that pick on yeah I think it's probably more Gutekunst than Lafleur although Lafleur might have had some say in it but it feels like maybe they just didn't anticipate he still had this in him and that's you know planning ahead not wanting to get stuck in the same situation uh, that other teams do having seen it work before drafting Rodgers to sit behind Favre but this is a different situation it's Spain and Fitz Sarah Spain Jason Fitz Marcus Spears I think accurately pointed out uh, that Rodgers got what he wanted money assuming uh, security and the, the players that he's been asking for, his former quarterbacks coach, there is no excuses now for him to go out and do the only thing that's left to do. We know he can be the MVP. We know he can throw for 1,000 yards. We know he can, play, he can play under adversity and adverse situations. These next few years is solely about Aaron Rodgers' legacy when it comes to stacking up against who we consider the guys to be the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. This is about championships for Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers, too, right? I mean, of course you want to stick around with the guy that, that got you here in the Hall of Famer, and, and that's a better option than pretty much anything else. But for them, yeah, you know, just making it to the NFC title game, just making it to the playoffs, just beating their sad division uh, doesn't do much for people anymore. Yeah, and they're going to have to now address getting better. Like, it wasn't just about keeping Aaron Rodgers. They right. didn't go far enough in the last season. So now the Packers are going to have to address their deficiencies in a way that they can look at everybody and say, hey, we've surrounded Aaron Rodgers with what he needs to win Super Bowls. Otherwise, we're going to constantly have this. Did they do enough? Have they done enough? And did he do enough conversation? Yeah, Rodgers, the first news of the day, but he didn't get to keep the spotlight for long because a massive deal, one of the biggest deals we've seen in NFL history with the Seahawks agreeing to trade quarterback Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. Let's make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. My initial reaction to this is how I usually feel when I see a massive super superstar traded, which is regardless of the number of pieces you get, it is going to be very difficult to make this a good trade for the team that loses that star. Just 32 years old, already a Super Bowl winner, incredibly skilled, and we thought he was going to stick around. We heard the relationship with Pete Carroll was good. We heard Pete Carroll say just last week, we do not have the intention to trade him. And here we are today, Russell Wilson, now a Denver Bronco, and the Seahawks getting a handful of picks, a handful of players, but certainly very firmly now in a rebuild with Drew Locke as the answer at quarterback. Yeah, I hate this for Seattle on so many levels, and not just because I hate watching Mina Kimes be miserable, and she is currently <laughs> on Twitter. I hate this for Seattle because what we forget is how difficult it is to find a Russell Wilson. Like, just look around right now, and to your point, Drew Locke is going to be the starter, or are they going to look for a Marcus Mariota, or are they going to look for a, a Mitchell Trubisky somehow, and then hope that they can draft somebody that develops to be as good as Russell Wilson? You had a Russell Wilson in the building at the age of 32, 33, where he's right in a spot where he's got plenty of years left, and you're letting him walk away. It forgets how difficult it is to find a quarterback that can actually play at the highest possible level. They had one of those, and I, I'm, I'm stunned. I, I, I'm stunned the Broncos didn't have to give up more. I'm stunned that other teams didn't come in and try and give up more. I'm stunned that he's not the Packer, the, the quarterback for the, the Seahawks moving forward. I, I'm stunned by Seattle in this one. 
Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of answering to do. Uh, loved the Broncos tweet of uh, Tom Hanks with Wilson, the football and castaway, painting a smile on his face. Perfect gif, perfect meme. Uh, was confused when the Seahawks about an hour later posted Tom Hanks on a raft, having lost Wilson, screaming, Wilson, where are you, Wilson, Wilson? Uh, that has been deleted, not surprisingly. It was a weird tone. <laughs> Uh, for saying goodbye to the best player in franchise history. Uh, it was also sort of a self-own of like, we lost him. Where did he go? Uh, also, we're now adrift, floating in an ocean with nothing to show for it. Uh, I don't know what happened to the person who posted it, but the tweet has been deleted. Uh, Marcus Spears, very high on this for the Broncos. Here's what he had to say about that team now. Russell Wilson, along with those weapons, along with the idea that Nathaniel Hackett is there to run a high-powered offense, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, along with Russell Wilson's ability to throw the deep ball, scramble ability, Javante Williams in the backfield. This team is now complete from a defensive and offensive standpoint. Ooh, complete contender for you. Quickly, we'll move on and, and get back to this later in the show, but are the Broncos a Super Bowl contender for you? Yeah, I've been looking at a bottle of whiskey for hours at this point. Yes, unfortunately they are. Oh, we'll get into Fitz's woes and how his quarterback who's looking for a new deal is now firmly planted in the number four spot out of four quarterbacks in that division. Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up on Spain and Fitz, what does Aaron Rodgers' return mean for Green Bay? We'll ask Jen Latta for the local viewpoint next on Spain and Fitz. Aaron Rodgers will remain with the Green Bay Packers. I think a lot of dominoes are going to start to fall for the Green Bay Packers. Sign your deal, and then I want you to go to the locker room, and I want you to point out the guys that you're going to lose. Every penny he takes from the salary cap is a penny they can't afford to pay a linebacker or a safety or a right guard or all these other people they need around him. They do have a lot of work to do to get under the cap by 4 o'clock Eastern time next Wednesday. Continuing our celebration of International Women's Day by having the bossest babes. That's a, not the B word I was going to use, but it's what came to mind when I self-censored uh, in the game on Spain and Bits today. Sarah Spain, Jason Bits, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Jen Latta, ESPN Milwaukee co-host of Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. You can follow her at Jen Latta. She was crushing it earlier today on our radio airwaves, talking Aaron Rodgers' return to the Packers. So we thought we'd have her back as the story develops. Jen, the, the mystery of Aaron Rodgers' future seems to be over at least for the next four years until, of course, next offseason when he threatens to retire or ask for something. Uh, what was your initial reaction to this news breaking today? Enormous relief. Uh, you know, we've been talking about this, as, as you guys have well have been doing as well. You know, we've been on 46 days of this since the end of the season. We have been on a year almost of this since last year's draft when Adam Schefter revealed that Rodgers had some issues with the front office, you know, culture and whatnot. So we talk about this regularly. And, it, and throughout the season, it was almost like, well, what does this mean? Well, what does this mean? You know, and you're trying to, like, dissect all of the – information to try to figure out if at the end of the season the relationship had been repaired if they were in a better place and I think we saw over the last few weeks and months that yes it did seem like they had all 
kind of grown in their relationship. And so we thought it was likely that Rodgers would be back. And yet, you know, just this past weekend, there was the report out there that he was truly torn. So we played Natalie and Bruglia on our radio station all morning <laughs> long and, and, you know, made jokes about that. But, I mean, it is good for the Packers that he is there. Not so good for the NFC North, not so good for the rest of the league because he is a generational talent. And so I love that the front office was able to put their egos in check and they were able to kind of acquiesce to what this guy needed because they knew that that was the only way that they could have success right now and they wanted him back they truly wanted him back right he didn't fall off the cliff max kellerman tom brady style you know and max kellerman's never going to be able to live that down just so you guys know (laughs) um so so they did want this guy to be back under center they know that he gives them the best chance to win and they had to kind of figure out a way to give him what he wanted to kind of present a unified front and get him back under center. And it looks like they've done just that. So Jen, how much should anybody care about what the financials actually look like? Yeah, this is so strange to me. I mean, isn't it interesting how much Aaron Rodgers seems to care about what people think about the financials? Like to me, that screams he's concerned about the narrative. He's concerned about his legacy, right? Because the next inevitable questions will be, well, is he hamstringing the team from being able to go out and get other pieces, to put other pieces around him? Because that has been a part of the Aaron Rodgers story, right? That he believes or at times has thought that they haven't put weapons around him. There'll be talk about Jordan Love and whether or not it was a wasted draft pick and if they should have drafted a, a wide receiver instead or somebody defensively. But, I, I mean, it just is crazy to me that – that he's taken such umbrage with the numbers that are put out there because while they may be able to manipulate some of the things that we've seen, right? Sometimes they manipulate a signing bonus. Sometimes they put these voidable years in sometimes, you know, just to get cap compliant. And the report is from the McAfee camp that it is going to be a cap friendly deal. That looks really good, right? That makes Rogers look like maybe not in the Tom Brady sense of taking less money, Mm -hmm. but it does seem like he is then giving the team options to go out and put more talent around him. So I have found this to be very fascinating today, guys, as much as how much emphasis he is placing on the numbers you're hearing are not the actual numbers. I don't think a lot of Packers fans really care about that. They're just overjoyed that he's back in Green Bay. And at the end of the day, I think that's who he's most concerned about his legacy with. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Jen Latta about Aaron Rodgers' return to the Packers. I, 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 I get why he's doing that, because over the course of his tenure, he has been one to create drama around not getting what he wants, whether that's the weapons he wants, the coaches, the money, whatever it is. So now he's trying to, after creating all this drama for the last couple off-seasons, re-ingratiate himself with maybe some, you know, fans that have lost a little love in for him by making sure that they don't think that he's prioritizing money over team success. But aren't we just going to find out the numbers eventually and decide for ourselves whether we think he sacrificed enough personal, um, you know, money for the ability to fill that team with enough support around him? Absolutely. And again, when those numbers come out, is there anybody alive who's going to go Aaron Rodgers doesn't deserve that contract? I mean, let's be real. Unless you're one of these people who's like, well, he hasn't earned it in the playoffs because you right. can certainly take no, issue but they with might the way say that what Rodgers you said about Brady. in the playoffs. They might say what you said about Brady, though, which is this guy can make money for the rest of his life and he already has so much money. Does he actually care about winning Super Bowls? Because if he did, wouldn't he make decisions based on that? It's interesting you say that, Sarah, because I was thinking about this today, and there is something mentally that is different about hearing 
one Super Bowl win in 14 years, right, which is the kind of the situation that we have right now, and one Super Bowl win in 18 years, right? 18 years is unbelievably close to two decades. And to be able to say that you had one Super Bowl win in two decades is really, really bad, right? And so, like, especially for taking all that money. So, like, I don't really care what the numbers are, buddy. Either way, you have to win now. You have to win in the postseason. You have to win in the NFC Championship game. And you have to lead the Packers to a Super Bowl victory in order for people to not look at your career as a huge disappointment. Okay, Jen. So with that being said, with this contract, Devontae Adams also getting franchised, what else do the Packers need to do to be the best team in the NFC? Oh, God, I'm not really good at all this number crunching, guys. I'm going to be really honest with you, the salary cap. I mean, honestly, it's like there are people who specialize in this and get paid, like, really good money to do just that. But I do think that the salary cap is more of a guideline and a suggestion. Yes, there is a hard number. I'm not saying that you can kind of manipulate that number. But you can manipulate how you get under that number. And we've already seen the Packers this year save $10 million plus with Kenny Clark, save $3 million plus with Aaron Jones, save $9 million plus with David Bakhtiari, that's just three guys, right? And we're talking more than $20 million that they were able to save under the salary cap. So there are ways to make this work, and I do think that having Aaron Rodgers under center incentivizes some other players, Mm -hmm. not all of them, because there are going to be guys going, don't care who you got under center, I deserve this much money, you're going to pay me this much money, or I'm going to go somewhere else. But it does incentivize some guys to say, yeah, do what you got to do with my deal. I think we can win with Aaron Rodgers here. Yeah. Uh, Certainly for you, you get to focus on some other things and also on the creation of this team around Aaron Rodgers based on when we do get those numbers. We'll be keeping an eye, I guess, on Pat McAfee's account and his reporting. Uh, It seems like that's the, that's the guy that, that, uh, that Aaron has selected to, to give us the information. Thanks so much for the insight, Jen. Uh, Take a nap maybe, or you got to, you got to do a couple more of these. Would love to take a nap. We're going to go on early tomorrow morning just to make sure we've got this sucker covered wall to wall. So, yeah, I need a few extra Z's tonight. All right, grab them. Thanks, Jen. You're doing the great work, Jen. Appreciate you. The great Jen Latta, ESPN Milwaukee. Listen to her on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. So, yeah, uh, my Chicago Bears now have to deal with another four years, probably, of Aaron Rodgers in their division being the quote-unquote owner of our team, and Fitz's Raiders now having another hurdle in their division. Uh, Derek Carr looking up at all the other quarterbacks. Not a great day for Spain and Fitz. Not a great day. Diana Rossini is going to help break down all of the things that happened in the NFL today and maybe how they affected us personally, because that's what's most important. It's coming up next, Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's get some insight from one of our favorites, Diana Rossini, joining us, ESPN NFL reporter. Diana, I'm just trying to figure out how much alcohol is too much alcohol for me this fall now that I know that Russell Wilson's also in the AFC West. So, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the, for, for the Broncos exactly where this puts them in the West. Where where are they now to you? Well, I think Josh Jacobs put it best. was like, this division is wild today. He was tweeting about it. Uh, your Raiders all aware that it now just became really, really competitive. And, and I know I think during – the rumor mill, we'll call it, of when you start hearing about certain quarterbacks 
potentially landing in certain divisions. We always talk about those quarterbacks that are already there, but I kind of see it as Russell uh, isn't too concerned with who's there. They need to be concerned about him uh, because that's the caliber of a player he is at this point in his career. And, you know, I would say that this trade was a little surprising today only because it was the Aaron Rodgers day, essentially. (laughs) We all thought that that's what it was going to be about. Um, but, you know, the gossip train's been moving, and, and I, I think that the smoke has been surrounding the Seattle Seahawks for so long uh, that it's actually really not that shocking. But, of course, when you hear a head coach just, what, a week ago, guys, say, we are not trading our franchise quarterback, uh, Russell Wilson, you, 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 you want to believe him, right? And, you know, I spoke to tons of people in, with the Seattle organization when I was at the Combine in Indy, and while I didn't get such a fierce, we're not trading him, um, there was definitely a feeling like, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to stick with them. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, at the end of the day, though, it, it looks like both sides were definitely ready to move on, and, and this may be the best thing for, for both of them. That's what I want to ask you about, Diana, because, you know, we weren't sure if there was any connection between uh, Rodgers and, and the Broncos and whether there was any feeling that they were still trying to see if there was any future there. Uh, they obviously made this decision and – Clearly, it didn't get done in the hour or so between the Rodgers news and when we heard about Russell Wilson. So they, they had decided to, to, to go forward with Wilson. How, how can yes. you say this might be the best thing for the Seahawks, no matter how many pieces they got? Well, just to go back a little bit in terms of Denver's interest in the quarterback, um, it's funny. You guys know how competitive it is to get stories. And, and I was kicking myself today uh, because I was having great conversations with Denver for a while now. Um, about where they stand with Aaron. And I just was so, uh, I just had a tunnel vision. I'm so focused on Aaron and Denver trying to get him and, you know, finding out what they were willing to trade for and how much this contract would be worth. Um, Even up to last night, checking in like, hey, I know he's making his announcement tomorrow, allegedly. How do you feel? Um, You know, and, and one source said, highly unlikely, but I can tell you his decision wasn't as clear as you would think. Meaning, like, I think they felt like they had a shot. A little bit. Maybe a slight one. Um, but I never thought to go, okay, what's the game plan next? <laughs> right? Because obviously they had all their I's dotted T's crossed for the Aaron trade. But then they also had plan B. And the plan B was Russell Wilson. So when you, when you see this all go down as fast as it did, it's because those guys were so ready to go to pull the trigger on this. Um, and, and really credit to Denver for – for being organized and making it work and doing whatever it, it took to get Russell out of there. And here's going to be the next part of this story that I'm going to probably be obsessed with. And I'm sure you guys will too. And God knows Mina. Um, <laughs> what is the answer at quarterback for Seattle? Yeah. What is next? Who are they going after? Is, is Deshaun Watson a real thing? And now with, with all the picks they have and all the pieces that they can eventually surround him with this could be a great destination spot and if they could get a quarterback again legal stuff aside you know like a Deshaun Watson it would it would be tremendous and John Schneider the GM there is a very smart savvy man and in my opinion there is no way he did this without a plan we're talking to Diana Rossini on Spain and Fitz there Spain Jason Fitz that's interesting because I feel like there are so many teams out there that are desperate for a quarterback. 
I mean, I'm looking at like the Steelers, for example. So for everybody else that's been waiting for dominoes to fall, Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. Russ is already gone. What other, other than Watson, what other domino is there that can make a team actually better right now? Well, you have Jimmy Garoppolo um, as, as a quarterback that I think, look, I feel like we can spend the whole show, right, debating this, of is he good? Can he really make you better? But I just go by the interest level of people that make these decisions. And when I was in Indy, there were dozens – a dozen teams at least that look, I didn't talk to every single team. I'm not that insane, but there were still about a dozen teams that, that showed that would showed interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, I'm interested to see how, how that's going to work out. Um, then you have, you know, the Mitchell Trubisky, the, the big question mark there. And I know Sarah, you could shed so much light on whether or not you think he's good, right. um, but there's interest there and it's legit. It is legit interest. He was like the hottest name in Indy. I felt like it was four years ago. Like, what is <laughs> happening? Where are we? Uh, but right now, you know, the market is so starving and desperate that, you know, maybe maybe the shine is a little brighter now, or maybe we forgot, or maybe we believe that, you know, Brian Dable was able to give him um, a little bit more confidence and show him, you know, how successful he can be in an offense that would work for him. Uh, getting away from that, Nagy. Who knows? Um you know, you have Marcus Mariota as another name. So the, there, there are names out there. It's just none of these I know blow you away. Diana Rossini is with us talking NFL moves of the day. Diana, now that we do have these dominoes, how much quick, more quickly do you think the rest of them go? Were there truly many teams waiting on these guys, or are those machinations behind the scenes completely separate from most of the other squads? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um the Aaron Rodgers story just had the most interest because it was the sexiest because of all the drama. But I'm sure you guys have followed along. Almost every single person shared what they found out and discovered, which is nobody knows what the heck he was going to do. But right. the sense was he was going back to Green Bay. Everything just lined up um, from, from you know, hiring the coaches that they did to, you know, the tidal wave of, um, you know, the, the contract restructures that they went through, it, it, it all signs pointed to them. And credit to the Packers for just sticking together on a united front, essentially, and, and fixing this. Because that's what they did. They got their guy back. They made it work. Um, but I, I think once, it, once everyone started to figure out, all right, all right this isn't going to happen. Because there was a time in December when most people were saying, he's out, he's mm-hmm. gone. Um, I remember going on Get Up and talking to Greeny about it, and it was almost like every person on the show agreed too. It would, I don't know if you guys recall that time of year where everyone just assumed he was done there, and it was almost like the minority believed that he would go back. And then, then the pendulum swung after the season, and after he met with Matt Lafleur, and that got out, and all the changes. That's when everyone said, "Okay, this this is just he's going back. There's there's nothing more to this." But I do know the rest of the league. I think they, they knew way more than we did about what Aaron was going to do. Uh, but in terms of the, the next big moves here, you know, you look at the Washington Commanders right now, and what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. They, 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 you know, just got embarrassed, in my opinion, uh, on this Russell Wilson trade because Denver essentially gave Seattle uh, more picks and, and more players, actually, and it was more alluring to them, uh, or at least to Russell Wilson and his people. Um, when, you know, Washington has said they have gone all in on this, right? They said, we've called every single team. 
which I've asked some teams if they've spoken to Washington, and they're like, no, we haven't spoken to Washington. So <laughs> they're, they're doing this PR move right now of like, hey, look, we're doing everything we can. But I still don't know what their answer is going to be at the quarterback position. And look, maybe it's Marcus. Maybe it's Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe it's some of those guys I named. But um, this next, we'll call it wave of quarterbacks, this stuff's all going to start happening very soon because one thing you guys also know about GMs in this league, when they see all this action, they want in on it, and they're going to start feeling the pressure that they, they, they need to square this away. You guys can follow her on Twitter at Diana ESPN. That way you can keep up with everything that happens. Diana, as always, we appreciate your time and your insight, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks. Happy International Women's Day, Sarah. You too. I, I don't do enough uh, recognizing what you do, and you're incredible, incredibly talented, super smart, super funny, and, and I just, I'm so lucky to call you a colleague. Thanks, Diana. Right back at you. I feel the same way. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. I mean, super smart. Mutual love. Super smart. None for fits. The funny part, I don't know. You know, oh, come we're on. gonna have to. Did you see? Did, by the way, did you see the soccer player Sydney Larue posted Happy International Women's Day and just scratched out the face of her son in a photo of her and her two kids? <laughs> it was so good. Now that's what I'm talking <laughs> Very about. Funny. By the way, uh, did you know you can listen to Spain and Fitz commercial free? That's right. You can listen to all your favorite ESPN radio shows and much more without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app. To get started, speaking of International Women's Day, I've got some words to say about my co-host, plus some stories about (laughs) great women accomplishing great things. We'll do that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. First national broadcast by a woman. The first woman to have a full-time play-by-play assignment with a major men's team. It's Giannis time. Giannis looking to ice it. Dagger after dagger, banger after banger, this one the best yet. This win is something to build upon. So many women and so many hoopers are fully invested in you and watching what you're going to be able to do with these aces because as a woman in sports, even though we're in completely different positions, you've given me personally so much hope. Needle's moving and never moves as fast as what we want, but I really feel like I'm pushing it in the same direction but a different mode. You know what? There hasn't been someone there before, but she can do it. We can do it. They can do it. We're not going anywhere. Women are not going anywhere. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, International Women's Day, uh, something that ESPN has celebrated across the network and across all of the different platforms today. And uh, obviously I get to work with uh, not only the only full-time woman that's on uh, ESPN Radio Monday through Friday, obviously, but uh, one of the best in... We joke around. I want to take a second and just say how much I appreciate the fact that you've made me better at my job. You make me better at my job every day. You've helped me have deep conversations. You've helped me think about who I am as a human being. And frankly, through all of it, I feel like I've grown a lot just because I get to listen to you and work with you every day. So uh, as much as uh, I'm always a pain in your ass and as much as I like to give you grief all the time, (laughs) there are a a large I I will say this too. like the one of the things that stunned me coming to ESPN was how many incredible women there are that, that I've been able to work with that have all challenged me in different ways. Like I, I work with Christine Williamson all the time digitally. She's an absolute rock star. Elle Duncan's become like family to me through this process. It's just funny how 
if you open your ears and your eyes, and I would tell anybody that, that maybe hasn't worked with as many women, because I certainly didn't as, in country music as I do now, uh, there's so much opportunity to learn from perspective, and you are amongst the best at teaching in that process in a way that makes people feel open, in a way that makes people feel welcome, and in a way that helps people grow. Thank you, Fitz. I want you to know that when you started saying nice things, your uh, Comrex uh, radio unit cut out, but it did come back. Uh, but I did think maybe it was a okay. bit uh, that you were going to finally, uh, you know, just uh, get rid of all the sarcasm and pour your heart out and you would disappear for it. But uh, no, I very much appreciate that. I learned a ton from working with you and I cannot say enough about getting to work with people who are pushing forward and talking about women's sports and female athletes who are open to ideas and doing different things during the show than you hear everywhere else. Um, and it, it honestly, I've worked in plenty of places where I didn't feel super included, um, including early in my radio career where I was literally the only woman and I was constantly left out of stuff and it was noticeable and it hurt. And so showing up and having producers and hosts and people that I work with that treat me just like everybody else. Um, but obviously, you know, cooler and better and smarter, uh, is, is what I was looking for. So, um, so I love working with you, Fitz. Oh, look at that. We're having all these sentimental moments, and now I'm going to ruin it. Let's do some International <laughs> Women's Day-inspired quickies, shall we? Yeah. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. All right, we will start uh, at the top of this list with some women's soccer news that actually happened a few days ago, but it's something we talked a lot about uh, a little bit surprising that there was going to be an election that came down to the wire for uh, women's soccer and uh, the outcome for the soccer presidential election worked out. But I was surprised, and you tell me because you know more on this, but Cindy Parlocone beats Carlos Carrera, Cordero in a vote that I thought was much closer than it should be or would be given the circumstance that led up to it. 52.9% of the weighted vote won by Cohn from the USSF's National Council. So she serves that four-year term. And man, was that way too close, considering that Cordero, I don't have time for all of the offenses and reasons that he stepped down before deciding to run again. I will just mention that during the Women's uh, World Cup winning ticker tape parade down the streets of New York, he introduced the Ballon d'Or winner, meaning the greatest player in the sport for all women players that year, Megan Rapinoe, as Megan Rapinoe at the parade. Hadn't even bothered to learn the name of the biggest star on his team as the president of U.S. soccer. But that was just a precursor, uh, some... some uh, foreplay, if you will, for the real screw job that he did, where he let a league of, uh, 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 sorry, a legion of lawyers argue that women were not deserving of pay for things like having less lung capacity, uh, their, their bodies being physically less impressive and capable, and essentially being inferior to men by basic genetics. And uh, that's why he stepped down, and the fact that he almost won again is real gross. God, that just shows you how much work there is left to do. Uh, let's move to a, a happier story next. Quickies. And that's a little women's uh, fantasy women's basketball action. And this I was so excited for because I'm trying for the first time this year to play fantasy NBA basketball. Oh, I'm it's terrible. hard. Like I am. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, I, I didn't realize it's like it's genuinely a daily commitment. It got real hairy there for a second when I felt like two thirds of my lineup was out with COVID every day. Didn't know who I should drop. Didn't know what to do. It has kicked my ass all over the place. But ESPN will now be launching the first full scale fantasy women's basketball game on the site uh, dedicated to women's basketball. I love all of this. It's a full season long, uh, full scale. All of the, the things we're using. 
used to in fantasy basketball will be part of the 2022 WNBA season, which tips off Friday, May 6th. Sarah, this is a great way for people to get to know the stars in the mm-hmm. game, and that's what I love about it. Completely agree. This is what we use across so many different sports to familiarize ourselves with players and teams that we don't watch night in and night out. And I'll tell you, if, if NBA is a little unwieldy for you, WNBA is perfect because there are fewer teams, players, and games. So you still get to learn how to do the optimized lineups, how to make sure that you're doing it right but on a smaller scale and more accessible. I'm super excited for this. Sign up start in early April. We should definitely do a Spain and Fitz league. We should definitely challenge some folks. Uh, and again, I just think it's it, you cannot even uh, really accurately estimate how much people learn about different sports and get attached to players from stuff like fantasy, video games, things like that. And that's why including women in more of these things will only help with this massive growth of women's sports that we've seen of late. Speaking of growth, let's go to our next story. Quickies. And uh, this is pretty awesome as Under Armour has decided uh, to become a sponsor with Sam Gordon uh, and uh, a women's uh, women's. Uh, I'm pulling it up here. It is lost on me. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, uh, football I've camps find the is name. part of it. Thank you. Football camps, but also the first women's football footwear. So the UA women's blur cleat. Uh, and Sam Gordon, if you guys don't remember, when she was 12, she founded the first all-girl tackle football league uh, in Utah. And she won the NFL Honors Game Changer Award. She was in that insanely awesome commercial with all the NFL greats uh, for the anniversary year. She's now 19 years old. And she has become this really strong voice for women's football. And in partnering with Under Armour, um, she's in continuing to increase opportunities for girls to play. But also a lot of the things that you and I, Fitz, have talked about in other spaces, whether that's, you know, official Sarah Thomas, who was having to wear men's official, you know, NFL official uniforms until they got her her own, not having a bathroom to change in at stadiums, all that stuff. Well, having cleats that are made just for women to compete in and play football in is another big part of it. So that's part of what she's doing, too. Yeah, the Utah Girls Tackle Football was what I was looking for to give it its proper <laughs> name, and kudos to, to Under Armour for being a part of it. Quickly, one more story to get in there, and that is one that we're used to seeing, but UConn has won the Big East Tournament. The women's team obviously out there healthy at the right time, still getting uh, thrown a little shade at all of us, Sarah, but yeah, uh, still, still healthy mean, at the right time. Gino's like, well, we'll remember the people who didn't believe in us. It was you, Gino. You were talking trash <laughs> about your players. You said they were stubborn and not talented. And look, at you get back AZ Fudd and Paige Beckers and everything's looking up, and now you want to pretend like you weren't talking shade. Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up, how does Seattle move on from the loss of Russ? Who won the trade? We'll ask our next guest from Seattle, Spain and Fitz. Whenever you trade a superstar player, it is very difficult to get enough in return. Now, the Seahawks got a lot of pieces. Will they use those pieces well enough to rebuild? And what is the answer at quarterback after years with Russell Wilson at the helm? We'll get into it now. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining us now with the reaction from Seattle, Mike Salk, host of the Mike Salk Show on Seattle Sports Station. That is a tongue twister that you have to say 800 times a day, Mike. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's start with the reaction from you personally before we get to the larger Seattle area when you heard about the trade to the Broncos. Well, yeah, thank, first of all, I appreciate the sympathy on my tongue twister. I used to host on ESPN Radio, and I didn't have to add all the Sirius XM stuff oh, and all no. that back when oh, I was no. there. So yeah. I, you have my sympathies as well. Um, 
Yeah, I wasn't expecting this one today, uh, that's for sure. I mean, we've talked a lot about it and wondered whether or not this would be a possibility. And Seattle fans have kind of had a bit of an ostrich thing going on. They don't want to hear about it. Anybody who mentions it, they just want to yell and say that they're haters or that they're making stuff up and it's fake news. And, you know, Tim Hasselbeck had to, you know, nearly had his head in a chopping block here over the last couple of weeks for suggesting that this was going to occur. But guess what? It did. And, you know, when it when it all went down, it seems like Jody Allen, who now owns the team, chose Pete and John over Russell Wilson. Hmm. And it doesn't matter what they said. doesn't matter who said they would get traded, who said they wanted to be where. The Seahawks were ready to move on, and Russ seems like he's ready for a new start as well. How did the return in this trade coming from the Broncos compare to what you would, would have expected? It's lower, and I know there's going to be a lot of Seattle fans saying, I can't believe that's all they got for Russell Wilson. John did a bad job, John Schneider. And to that, I think I kind of feel the other way. This is all that Russell was worth. I don't think John Schneider had a better deal out there and said, no, I'm just going to go with the lousy deal instead of the really good deal that if I had waited, somebody would have given me. This was what the market will bear for a quarterback like Russ, who's in his mid-30s, is coming off a down year with an injury. His legs are no longer what they once were, and that was a really crucial part of why Russell Wilson was as great as he was. And he's about to get paid or want to get paid somewhere in the neighborhood of what Aaron Rodgers got today, so let's say $50 million that you're going to have to pony up for him next year. Is he one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the game? Yeah, right now, probably. I think a few years ago we might have said five best. I'm willing to definitely say ten, maybe six or seven. But with the emergence of some of these young quarterbacks that we've seen really emerge in the last couple of years, I don't know that I can put him in the top five anymore. And so when you couple that with the amount of money he's going to want to get paid, I don't know that they could have gotten much more. And so to me that's a Russell Wilson thing, not just a Seahawks thing. Mike, it sounds like you are – going through all of the various stages of grief, and you've come out on the side of much less upset than maybe other folks are about this, almost positive, like you're convinced maybe it was the right move? Well, I think it probably was the right move. I mean, if Russ didn't want to be here, then this was probably the right decision. Look, the Seahawks and John and Pete either decided that, A, they couldn't win a Super Bowl in the next two years, that their roster was just too far away for it to be worth giving a go with Russ at the helm for the next two years, or they decided that, that they didn't want him anymore, that Russell Wilson wasn't the quarterback that they wanted to, to lead them in the future, that he was in decline, that the legs aren't what they once were, that he didn't fit their system or what they wanted to do, and so they were willing to acquiesce to a trade. I don't know if they were right, right? When it's all said and done, they may very well be wrong, and we'll be sitting here – for years in Seattle, ruining the day that they let Russell Wilson go. But I, I actually have a fair amount of confidence that the decision was made for the right reasons and that that makes it ultimately a decent decision. So walk me through a little bit of the process of hope around the draft because, you know, I, I'll be honest, I, I heard uh, Dan Orlovsky talking about before the trade the fact that the Seahawks should trade and get draft capital right now. But then he also said, hey, by the way, it's been a long time since they hit a home run in the first round of the draft. So what good is draft capital when the team, frankly, hasn't drafted particularly well at the top of the draft the last few years? It's a really good question, Fitz. And I guess what I would say is 
they haven't. You're right. I mean, John Schneider, who just struck gold time after time at the beginning of his tenure here in Seattle, has since 2012 drafted three very good players, two of whom are still on the roster. That's Frank Clark, who's gone, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. That's it. Now, the other side of it is they got the number nine pick in this year's draft. They haven't drafted in the top half of a draft since 2012. So it's really been a long time since he's had an opportunity to hit at the top of the draft. The last time he was there, they got both Earl Thomas uh, and Russell Okung. So, so we have seen them have some success when they've been in the top half of the first round. But, look, it's a very fair question. Why haven't their draft picks worked out over the course of the last decade? And they better hit on this, and they better hit on some of the picks they got back from Denver, or else this is not going to, to look good for him at all. Mike Salk, the host of the Mike Salk Show on Seattle Sports Station, is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Mike, it felt like last offseason there was a lot more buzz around this happening. And right up until last week, we heard the relationship between Pete Carroll and Russ had never been better, that it was maybe smarter for him contractually to put in a good season at Seattle and then enter the market with that behind him next season. And we even heard Pete Carroll say that they didn't intend to trade him. How surprised were you when this happened? I was surprised, but look, I don't believe anything anybody says, not publicly, <laughs> and neither do you. I mean, right? I mean, we've all been in this it's business too season. long to yeah. believe what anybody says publicly. That's why I do think that folks like Kim Hasselbeck or Dan Orlovsky, some of the other good people at ESPN, who have been hearing what's going on behind the scenes and using their logic and their brains to try to put all this together, I think there's a lot of credence and credibility that goes there more so than what, when Russell Wilson goes on the Today Show and says, I'm happy, I'm happy right now. Or John Schneider says, we have no intention of trading <laughs> Russ, at least right now. I mean, everybody kind of gives themselves a little out, and all of those things they say are generally designed to either position themselves for what they ultimately want to do, or to look good, or to blow off the question, or whatever their you know, real motives might be. I just don't put any stock in what anybody says publicly anymore, because it's all a load of you-know-what. <laughs> You're not Fair. wrong. So. If you had to make best guess right now, who's in the quarterback room when we hit this fall? Well, first of all, I think I'd cut Drew Locke before he even got here. I, I just have no interest <laughs> in Drew Locke. I, I'm just, I'm good. I'm all set. I still can't really figure out which one's Drew Locke and which one's Daniel Jones, but I think they both stink. They came in the same draft class, and I got no interest really in either of them. Um, I think they got some options. There are a couple of guys in this draft, but I don't, I don't think that this is the year to find the quarterback. It's probably next year that they get their, their long-term option. Could I see them trying to reclaim a guy like Marcus Mariota? Yeah, maybe. Gardner Minshew, obviously, is a bit of a legend here in the Northwest. Could he be a short-term solution? Maybe if you could get him on the right trade. Um, Tyler Hundley is another name that will come up. I know a lot of people are like him, and he's got some similarities to what we saw with an early, you know, in his career, Russell Wilson. I don't think he's nearly as talented or as, or as, as accurate, but he's certainly very athletic. So, I mean, there's a few options of, of guys that are out there, but look, you're not going to just replace Russell Wilson immediately unless, and I don't even, I don't like saying this out loud. I don't certainly don't like saying it on national radio show, but unless something happens in the next few days where Deshaun Watson is cleared and you want to go down that road, I'm really uncomfortable with it. I mean, everything that's happened, everything we know about that story tells me that that's not the guy you want to commit to as being your franchise quarterback, let alone somebody who deserves to be in this league or maybe even just walking around free. 
but he's a really talented quarterback, and so that conversation's not going to go away as long as he is eligible to play in the NFL. Okay, we have to let you go, but not without me getting a quick response to our very own Mina Kimes, who's really going through it right now. She started out <laughs> self-pitying. Now she's lashing out in ways that are just, just taking bodies everywhere. But she said, coping update. Draft Malik Willis at number nine and just see what happens. I can't do a lock season. Let's at least get weird. Thumbs up or thumbs down on getting weird? Uh, always thumbs up to getting weird, but I think thumbs down on wasting the number nine pick <laughs> okay. on a quarterback that you don't think is the right guy. <laughs> right, that? Right. that makes sense. Uh, I don't expect Mina to make any right now. She's still she's still working through it. <laughs> hey, Mike, thanks for the time. She'll get it figured out. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Mike Salk, host of the Mike Salk Show on Seattle Sports Station. You can follow him at the Mike Salk on Twitter. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, are we about to see more baseball canceled and some NBA talk next? Stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh, MLB negotiations are at a standstill. Oh. Yeah. We're still not making much progress. Buster only was on with us last night and talked about how the MLB and MLBPA were no closer to coming to an agreement. And, you know, the idea that we might not have any baseball season at all wasn't all that crazy. Well, we've been told all day today the MLB will cancel another week of games if they don't reach a deal by Tuesday night. It is right now at this moment, technically Tuesday night. Fitz, I don't know if this means end of business. I don't know if this means midnight. I don't know if this means 2.30 in the morning pretending to continue to be arguing over things when we actually know that there's no chance we'll make a deal. Uh, We are waiting on baseball still. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. According to latest reports, the players are frustrated by the league's deadlines, but, quote, solid in where they stand. Now, Fitz, these deadlines are going to be like they're going to appear to the public as they're the owners making a decision based on the players not doing what they should. But that's not true. These decisions have to be announced by the owners because they're the ones who caused this lockout in the first place. And also because they're the ones that will announce when games get canceled because there isn't enough time to prep and train for them, not the player side. So we'll always give them this sort of public display of disappointment and letdown when things don't go their way even if in the end it's mostly about owners not moving enough off of the the deals that they made years ago when everybody fully acknowledges they fleeced the players that they are the ones that need to move and take more steps towards the middle and they aren't let's always remember one thing through this process it was about a week ago that major league baseball presented their last and final offer right so If they truly presented their last and final offer, then there's nothing left to talk about, which is just a reminder that, you know, as we were just saying a second ago, you can't trust what anybody says in the NFL right now. You can't trust what anybody says in the middle of a heated negotiation about the future of labor between owners and players. So right now, I mean, silence, I don't think is the worst thing, because for once, I, I love the concept of everybody working behind closed doors towards a solution instead of working in front of a microphone towards creating some level of divide and public uh, opinion to, to gravitate to their side. Yeah, and as of last night, Jeff Passan wrote about, you know, basically that silence could actually mean that they're serious, right? That they want to keep it private. They don't want to leak proposals. They want to make progress and keep working towards something without making about public posturing and public opinion. So we will keep you updated, um, but 
they, you know, it, I, I'm not super optimistic based on what I've heard about the distance. And I do think that it's going to require the players digging their heels in for longer than they're comfortable if they want to really make a move because uh, the leverage has all been on the side of the owners and has been since their last deal. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Let's move on to some NBA stuff. Russell Westbrook had some stuff to say last night. And it's really difficult, Fitz, to not empathize with anybody of any job, wealth, race, color, creed, etc. when people are mistreating them. And I think the bottom line is sports fans need to, to get perspective. Even if someone isn't playing their best, even if someone is responsible for a missed field goal or a missed shot or a bad play, the dehumanizing of them and the treating them as, as less than people uh, is never okay. But there are some real gray areas on when you get to profit and benefit from your name and success and when you don't want people to in any way take take that name as a negative and and i think russ is real real tough trying to convince us that that line uh is where he thinks it is here's what he said last night my character the shaming of who i am as a person um is to me is not warranted um i haven't done anything to anybody i haven't hurt anyone i haven't done anything but play basketball a way that people may not like um, and this is just a game. This is just a game. This is not my entire life. Uh, um, and I think that is the, the ultimate thing that's been for me. And I don't like to harp on, I kind of just kind of wondering out the other, but once it starts to affect my, my family, my wife, um, even today, my mom says something about it today and it affects them even going to games. Like my, I don't even want to bring my kids to the game because I don't want them to hear people calling their dad nicknames and out of their names for no reason because he's playing the game that he loves. And it's, it's gotten so bad where, you know, my family don't even want to go to home games, to any game, because of, you know, uh, not just the media across the globe use their platforms to constantly shame, shame, shame me. That's a, a hard line, Sarah, because, uh, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I don't know that the media is necessarily sitting there with an evil, maniacal laugh saying, how can we shame Russell Westbrook? I, I, I think... You know, as he also alluded to in that conversation, the, the nickname of Westbrick because he's not playing well. Like, I, I laughed at it, and, and I thought it was funny when I heard it. So, you know, if that's something that's causing his family tremendous hurt, like, I never – I don't think you sit there and trash somebody's family at a game, right? But at the same time, uh, you know, being able to laugh at a player that's playing poorly is – I just – I have a hard time taking that leap into that being some level of arena bullying. There's a difference in my mind. Yeah, I think what he said at the beginning was right. He's not a bad person because he's been struggling with his game. So taking shots at his character or sending death wishes to his family is clearly over the line. Of course, yes. But you, you've made a lot of money and you've got a lot of fame and you've brought a lot of pride to the name Westbrook. And when you talk about your kids being proud to write their name down in school and now feeling like Westbrook is associated with that, I get that pain. I understand it's uncomfortable. But there's both sides of that coin, right? And so you're going to sometimes have to deal with the negatives that come with the high profile and be able to talk to your kids about how, hey, daddy's not playing great right now, so people think it's funny to call me Westbrook. If kids call you that, say, you know, hey, I think it's pretty cool my dad's in the NBA. And leave it at that, right? Because the idea that he could use his family as sort of a meat shield against any criticism is the problem for me right? The media criticizing your play, and rightly so, is very different than death wishes or people taking things out on your family. 
And certainly, I mean, the closest I can come to any parks, like nobody ever went to a concert I played afterwards and in a bad review or in a moment of not liking the music said, really seems like a great guy, just wasn't his best day playing, but tomorrow right. he'll go out there and get it. Like you just, uh, unfortunately, right? Like you just accept the fact that that tweet instead is going to be, you suck. And if, if somebody doesn't like you, you know, they're, they're going to let you know when they've, when they've paid a ticket price to go. There's a fine line though. Again, I've, we shouldn't even have to say it, but coming after somebody's family is ridiculous. And you know when you've crossed the line in personal insults. I, I just think, you know, booing a player or chanting against a player is something that, you know, while it may not be for everybody, that doesn't cross the line into a level of, you know, assaulting a person's character right. or who they are as a human being. Speaking of the crossing the line, I did it last night. I'd like to apologize. Uh, we were trying to figure out who in the NBA slate of games last night <laughs> might continue the streak of excellent big-time performances. I suggested perhaps Embiid, maybe Donovan Mitchell, Steph before I knew he was out. And when I got to the matchup of the Knicks and the Kings, I believe my direct quote was, woof. And then I moved on. I did not suggest that any of the players from that game might ha uh, go off. Uh, Julius Randle. Career-high 46 points to spark a huge Knicks rally in their win over the Kings. Yes, it was over the Kings, but still, my apologies to Julius Randle and all involved in the game that I described as woof. It ended up being one, uh, one of those performances that we've seen of late in the NBA. So, my bad. Uh, also, my bad. We do not have time to talk about the terrible stat relating to the Bulls playing against the best teams Oops. in the league. We'll get to it later, maybe. Back to quarterback talk. Next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You know, I thought it was going to be a simple day. I thought that we were going to be able to come on tonight and say, you know, Devontae Adams signs his franchise tag. He's not available for everybody. Calm down. There's not going to be great movement. I had that. And then I thought for a moment I was going to be really right, Sarah, because the news broke that Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay, and I'm sitting there mm -hmm. thinking, uh-huh, what have I been telling people? You're not going to have any big, big moves. It's all going to be just the same old, same old. And then about, I don't know, eight seconds after that, we get news of one of the biggest trades we've seen in modern NFL history. So it has been a wild, wild day. But the question is, what does it all mean moving forward, particularly when you start talking about both of these teams that have acquired quarterbacks or have their quarterbacks and that have expectations? Like if you're Green Bay and you know that Aaron Rodgers is coming back on what has been reported as a four-year deal and what has been reported and denied as a $200 million contract, I don't really care what the dollars and cents are, Sarah. If you've gone all in on Aaron Rodgers, you better have a solution that's going to make you better than the Rams right now, and that's difficult to figure out. Like It's going to take some maneuvering to get that worked out. I mean, I do think there's the opportunity for players who want to go play with Aaron Rodgers on a Packers team that's been consistently good, and that might be the way they get around it. I do think there is some mystery now. Uh, the future's been a beautiful mystery for Aaron Rodgers. Now apparently his contract is a beautiful mystery as we wait to find out which reports are true and which aren't, and whether or not it is, quote, cap-friendly uh, in order for him to fill those positions around him. Uh, I, I think there's a lot left to be seen. We do know the franchise tag... Um, was given to Devonta Adams, but that they do want to come up with a long-term deal. And man, but by the time you've paid both of those guys, woof, you're gonna have to get creative. Is that giving you hope as a Bears fan? Like that maybe they pay those two guys, they got nothing left for anything else, and suddenly they've got you know like a left tackle that was selling popcorn last year and is <laughs> now suddenly in the NFL. Um, 
I don't have much hope as a Bears fan. I've been beaten down uh, of late. I guess the fact that there's a whole new series of coaches to like see if they're any good. Um, and, and maybe, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of hope that Aaron Rodgers is more greedy than he's letting on and has made it really difficult for the team to win. Um, but Fitz, there are more problems than just Aaron Rodgers for the Bears and every other team. This is I said this on Around the Horn today when I said I think the Broncos could be contenders now. Midway through last year, there were eight or nine teams that we would have all said, yeah, I could see that team winning it. It just feels like there is a glut of teams at the top, and there are no one or two tops that are really heads and tails above everyone else. Yeah, and that's going to be, you know, things just got more difficult for me today. I'm not even going to lie about it. Like, I can't couch this in any positive way. Uh, the, the, the massive news today that Russell Wilson is now the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos has taken whatever hope I had and, and just, for the moment, just sat all over my chest with it. Like, I can't, I can't <laughs> breathe. It, like, I, I got nothing left when it comes to my NFL fandom right now. I'm, I'm feeling very deflated, Sarah. And, you know, that's because of things like what Marcus Spears said, ESPN NFL analyst on SportsCenter, about what he's looking forward to. Now there's a new Super Bowl contender in Denver that everybody in the AFC now has to pay real attention to. It is fun, man. It is fun to know that Russell Wilson may eventually play Josh Allen. He may eventually play Patrick Mahomes. He may eventually play Justin Herbert. I'm talking about to win championships in the playoffs. This is fun. This is the league that never stops giving, and I could not be more ecstatic about Russell Wilson being in Denver, and now we got a chance to talk about another team being a Super Bowl contender. Ooh, how fun is that, Fitz? So fun. Look at those great quarterbacks. Look at all the competition. Look how tough it's going to be every single time you face someone in your division. That sounds fun. Today's Marcus Spears' birthday. <laughs> I hope somebody forgot to bring him cake. I hope he got wow. no cake. Nothing's fun about this, Marcus. Like, I, and and you know, I was thinking about it earlier because in my childhood, I remember watching the Raiders take on John Elway, right, in the Broncos, and it was always just going to be difficult. And then uh, during that same era, at one point, they were taking on Joe Montana with the Chiefs, and it was always going to be difficult. And I understand and appreciate the mindset of iron sharpens iron, but I also kind of like to get easy wins. Like, every once in a while, it's fun to play Madden on rookie mode just so you can beat somebody by 100. Like, I don't mind the mindset of having things come easy every once in a while, and that's just not the case. Like at this point, and Derek Carr, and you know that I have I've I've long since been a Derek Carr fan. I've always been very pro Derek Carr, and I mm -hmm. believe Derek Carr could win a Super Bowl. And I also can squarely say that Derek Carr is the fourth best quarterback in his own division, mm -hmm. and that does not, as a fan, give me any of the good feels. And he's looking to get paid. That's a tough position to be in because he deserves it. He's played well. There isn't a better option for that team right now. But it makes it a little stickier when you're paying him knowing full well that he's the worst option in the division. Yeah, and the problem is, as I tweeted out sort of jokingly to everybody uh, earlier, so in this year's draft class, as you know, I don't think there's any great options. We know that right now, you know, people are going to be fighting over Mitchell Trubisky or Jimmy Garoppolo mm -hmm. as your quarterback. So you have one goal if you're if you're the Raiders and you have the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West. You have if your goal is to improve that one position, then you're telling me that in the draft you're going to find somebody better than Mahomes, Herbert, mm -hmm. or Russell Wilson. Nope. And when you say that out loud, it's just that's a reason to pour a little bit extra whiskey in the glass and realize that. You know, just be comfortable with the gut and hope that the rest of the team can build to a higher level because that's the only shot. Fitz, and it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, would you say that the AFC West is now the best division in football? I would say the only one that you could argue otherwise would be the NFC West. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the NFC West is in turmoil now. The Seahawks are going to stink, right? So, uh, yeah, but and, you and... still got the Rams, Cards, Niners. You've you know you've still got teams that were really good last year. I'm curious, though, because the Niners may be, I'm presuming, going to be going with an unproven quarterback. We don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation for the Cardinals. Like, I, yes, the AFC West is, is not even, it's not even close. I think yeah. they're the best division. I'm going to put it up right on now. social media at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, which is the best division in the NFL. Is there a better division in terms of quarterbacks than the AFC West now that we've laid out Mahomes, Russ, Carr, Herbert? I think there's still work to do almost everywhere else, right? Because you can right? look at, at the There's holes everywhere AFC. else, for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've got a couple of guys. Like, I mean, uh, uh, you, you've got Lamar Jackson. Lamar and, and Burrow in the yeah, AFC North. Lamar, and, and I don't know. I mean, are we really going to put Josh Allen and, uh, you know, Mac Jones in the same category? Josh like, Allen, I can't yeah, do but that Mac Jones is not there yet. Yeah. Um, you got nobody alongside Dak. We don't know if Jalen's the guy. The other two teams, you know, it's a struggle. You got Aaron Rodgers and, of course, Justin Fields, who's basically the same as Aaron Rodgers. Uh, hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, they, we all agree on that. The NFC South the is a mess. Does the NFC? Is there a single quarterback you believe in in the NFC South? No. Panthers and, and don't I, have I, one. Bucks don't have one. Saints don't have one. Falcons have one, and he's got the biggest cap hit in all of football this year, I think. As good as the AFC West is at the quarterback position, that's how bad the NFC South is. Like, it's, it is that much of a just, mm -hmm. juxtaposition that goes fully awry. But the, the crazy thing is when you look at the AFC in general now, like it, not, not even just the AFC West, but if you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC, when you add Russ to it, now all of a sudden you're looking across the board and saying, okay, well, fine. If, if Derek Carr is the fourth best quarterback in his division, as I said earlier, now what are you doing if you're looking at the conference as a whole, like Lamar and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen? And, and I mean, you start going up and down that list, and you realize we don't know what Trevor Lawrence is, who he is yet as a quarterback, but uh, the, the AFC looks particularly just beefy at the quarterback position. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers' decision, and – as much as uh, the Packers have been great and it feels like he's gotten a lot of what he wanted from his quarterback's coach to some of the players he wanted, et cetera, there's also the fact that he can beat up on the NFC North instead of going and facing some of those AFC teams. Mm, that is, that, you're, you're right about that, and that makes me only even more sad. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive <laughs> Insurance. You can say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. All right, with all this conversation about Aaron Rodgers, there were other players, and Russell Wilson, there were other players in the NFL today that had big news. A couple of franchise tags and some huge contracts were given out. We'll get to all the updates next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It was expected to be a big day in news across the landscape of the NFL. I expected that would be about franchise tags, not about uh, superstar quarterbacks being traded. Uh, we'll get back to a little bit of what happened with Russell Wilson, but there was some other news today. For anyone that didn't see this, all-pro receiver uh, Devontae Adams uh, has been franchise tagged. I don't think that's any big surprise, but also... I was a little surprised. Massive money for the Chargers on a huge deal for Mike Williams. Uh, they didn't release the terms, but the contract is uh, reportedly $60 million over three years, $40 million guaranteed, $28 million in year one. That's according to a source uh, that uh, reported that to Adam Schefter. And uh, also receiver or Chris Godwin was tagged. But, Sarah, 
I, I think that show. Mike Williams contract is a little interesting because that's a ton of money for a team that has a, a lot of talent. But just like I was saying with the Raiders a second ago, the Chargers have to be able to compete with the best of the best right now. They didn't make the playoffs this year. They have a quarterback everybody loves. There's going to be some expectations. Yeah, I mean, there already are. If you have a, a player like Herbert, there is only so much time that you will be allowed to have him and not turn that into playoff wins, turn that into competing and contending. Um, Mike Williams coming off a great, great season, career highs in receptions and yards, yards, I'm sorry, um, almost had a career high in touchdown receptions. Um, this is this is a big piece, and they clearly believe that with Herbert and Williams and the other guys they've got, that they will be able to take that next step. To your point, though, you've got some big competition in your own division, not to mention outside of it. And so even if we can respect the talent, you got to take those steps to get up in that next tier or else you're wasting a lot of money on some guys, and in the case of Herbert, time on that rookie deal. Yeah, and everything becomes about expectations now, which is – uh, what it, it happens the minute you have a quarterback everybody falls in love with and Herbert is in that world where there's going to be expectations for the Chargers now I don't have great expectations for the Seahawks after trading Russell Wilson obviously I've made it pretty clear I, I don't think it was a great trade for Seattle but I'm not a former GM Mike Tannenbaum ESPN NFL front office insider was on Barton Hahn earlier today and this is how he graded out the trade and what it means for Seattle now we got a quarterback to compete with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. I mean, could you imagine trying to run a team in the AFC right now? Like, the yeah. bar is so high if yeah. you don't have a quarterback. And I think if you're, you know, Seattle, if you're, if you're being honest and sober about where you are, guys, you're in a rebuild. It's been a long time since mm -hmm. we said rebuild around the Seahawks. And that's, that hit me hard to hear that with that team that we just associate with being consistently very good. Yeah, I, I mean, it's also weird when you've got a, a coach in Pete Carroll that despite how spry he is, is quite old, right? Um, so is he overseeing a full rebuild fully until you're back contending again? Um, and is that, when we talked to our guest, Mike Salk, from the Seattle area, he said it felt like the decision was to side with Schneider and Carroll over Russell Wilson. Why? Exactly. Right. And, and that's no disrespect to either of those guys. But um, is that the future, knowing that he's already, I think, what the oldest coach in the league? Uh, well, and you have to feel like at some point, what's easier to find a coach or a quarterback? So, you know, I, I understand that we can look at Russ a little bit and say, well, maybe he's not the quarterback he was a couple of years ago. Maybe he's no longer a top five quarterback in the NFL. But I mean, I, we squarely believe that he's capable of winning a Super Bowl, right? Like, I would put right. Russ in the Super Bowl caliber quarterback conversation. So, Seattle just let a quarterback go that I believe is capable of winning a Super Bowl with legit no answer on what they're going to do with that position. That seems just frightening to me if I'm right. a fan. Well, I mean, and every team, not every team, some teams are a-holes like the Patriots or the Packers. Some teams do not have to face that void right they, they find a way to to follow up and maybe to, to to his point and to other people i've heard today you don't make this decision without a plan a good plan maybe there's more to, to be said about that position for the seahawks but it does feel like a rebuild also worth noting by the way and it's spain and fitz air spain jason fitz um when you look at the other side of this the broncos we saw peyton manning be able to use the broncos as a second stop for another title now he is not a comparable player right now in terms of Russell Wilson and health and everything else and stage of their career. 
but maybe more comparable is what the Rams and the Bucks did in the last two seasons. Now, there's some pretty big differences in terms of personnel. While I think the Broncos have a good setup to add Russell Wilson to in terms of O-line, defense, running back, receiver, everything is pretty good. The Bucks had Evans and Godwin. Brady brought Gronk with him to add to that. The Rams had Woods and Cup and then added OBJ. Denver doesn't have those pieces, those targets. Jerry Judy has been underperforming, and he, I know he missed a lot of time. You know, you you don't know if that model, if that's indeed what the Broncos are looking at and the success of the last two Super Bowl winning teams, if it quite plays. But we do know that they have salary cap space, so maybe they do intend to add those extra pieces to try to keep up with the model that was shown by the last two winners. Well, and you look at even the tweets from Von Miller are now being over-analyzed as some indication of is he headed back, you know, and going oh, back. Oh, that would be spicy. And, you know, I'm looking at all of this and thinking, is there this this benefit that comes just like, as you mentioned, players wanted to go play with Brady at some point. I, I feel like people are going to want to go play with Russ in Denver because it just feels like they are loading up for a run. Now, I don't know as much as they load up for a run, they are going to have to deal with a contract situation. I mean, one thing that we haven't talked about, and, you know, Mike Salk mentioned earlier, is that there have been reports Russ wants to be paid in that $50 million range, and he's in a division with Patrick Mahomes who's getting paid in that $50 million range. So, like, how all of that plays forward for a Denver team that's going to have to figure that out quickly will be interesting. But does it matter today? No. Like, today, they get all of the benefits of the street cred that comes from having that type of quarterback. And, and I'm one with Jerry Judy that believes he's going to blossom. I think he's just going to be an absolute unstoppable beast with a quarterback that plays as well as Russ plays. So all of this just continues to layer into reasons why the Broncos Super Bowl odds went way up today. Everything got better in that side. And it's because they became such a legitimate contender. Also, uh, you know, we were talking about the divisions and the quarterbacks across the landscape. And uh, I, I would like to apologize for our listeners and Twitter users for confusing them. Uh, here's here's the polls I put out, Fitz. The first one, pretty obvious. Everyone seems to be picking up what I'm putting down. Which is the best division in the NFL? 78.3% saying the AFC West. 21.7% mm -hmm. saying the NFC West. Mm -hmm. So early on in that, the returns have the AFC West as the best division. Second question, perhaps a little more confusing. I asked, is the NFC South's quarterback situation as bad as the AFC West's quarterback situation is good. The responses were 51% as bad, 15% not as bad as good, and 33% I'm confused. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. I did put that as an option because I had a feeling I might have confused people. Um, there are a couple people, though, that said it is worse. That uh, said okay. it is worse than as good. So I would like to thank at Rari Rex for understanding the question and answering in a way that made it clearly understood and had a good answer for me, which is that it is worse than it is as good. I, I Well, that is a – now my head is starting to spin. <laughs> I, I'm not sure there's a division in football that has a – a more let's say disorganized quarterback situation i, I yeah. mean the afc you got south, Matty Ice, i mean it. the afc south has ryan Tannehill, uh who is is pretty good and trevor lawrence who might turn out to be good uh, no idea what they're really doing with the texans and the colts have no idea what they're doing so like that could be in contention they could be in contention maybe but you're right if you're 
uh, if you're looking at the NFC South, like the the Falcons are a great example to your point of a really weird situation because they have the best quarterback in that division coming off a year where they were seven and 10 and nobody has any idea what the rest of the teams will look like might be hard to move off of Matt Ryan when you might be able to win a division with Matt Ryan, even if the Falcons aren't any good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was equally as confusing as my poll, but I understood what your point was. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I believe that Matt Ryan has the biggest cap hit of any quarterback in the league and he's not bad. It's just that that team isn't going to do anything looking around the rest of the league. So winning that division isn't going to say much. Um, and the rest of the quarterbacks are a complete mystery. Yeah, well, if there's one thing I know, it's that Falcons fans will again have to endure all of this going into the draft. Because remember, last year going into the draft, they were convinced they were going to take a quarterback and it was all going to work out. They have the eighth pick in the draft this year, and I'm just waiting mm. for them to not pick a quarterback again so that right. everybody will look at it and say, what are you doing? I don't know. College well, basketball is in the home stretch. Year. You were into Sam Bradford, so go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) College basketball is in the home stretch. Tune in tomorrow night. The ACC tournament coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.